that, we've been in a series called Advent, and uh, if you don't know what the word Advent means, it is simply a word that means anticipation, waiting for the arrival of something. And so the past two weeks we've been in this series, and we've covered two things already. We've talked about hope, and we, we learned that hope can be found even in tragedy, that ultimately whatever loss that you have experienced, it does not have to define your story, that ultimately how you respond to that loss is how we define that story. And then last week we talked about peace. Um, we know that Christmas comes with a bunch of bustling schedules, and if you're anything like my wife, you've got a bunch of people to buy gifts for, and so it seems like anything that the Christmas season t- sometimes offers is peace. Um, So what I want to talk about uh, this morning is something very dear to my heart, um, something that I believe um, that the enemy is very strategic on robbing away from people, um, and it's joy. It's simply joy. I believe this. I think the enemy, if he cannot steal your salvation away from you, then there is nothing more miserable than a Christian that does not have joy that does not have joy. There's just nothing more miserable. And I think what happens a lot of times um, in the Christmas season, we see this word joy littered everywhere, right? If you, if you go to the mall, it's like you see the word joy plastered on a canvas. If you look at all the Christmas ads, it is this word, it's kind of like this theme that is plastered everywhere. But I think if we're pretty honest with ourselves, for many of us in here, um, we don't experience this joy that Christmas actually is offering to us. And so this morning, really what I want to do is I want to talk about what does, it ha- what does it take to have real joy? And I'm not talking simply about happiness, okay? Because it is possible to have joy in the most dark, grim circumstances. It is possible to have a joy that does not leave regardless of your circumstances or regardless of what you're going through. But I think if we're not careful, um, and we learned a little bit about this last week when we talked about peace, if we're not careful, Christmas can become this very familiar thing to us. So let me, let me set it up this way. I believe that joy, and I'm going to explain it in a minute. I'm actually going to take the entire sermon to explain this concept. But I believe joy is ultimately found in awe and wonder of who God really is. So let me give you an example by what I mean by that. So um, I'm originally... Um, I'm not from Louisiana. Big shocker, I know. I'm not into hunting or any of that other kind of stuff, and I wear skinny jeans. So obviously, I am not from Louisiana. Um, So I was originally born in Washington State. My mother's side of the family, they're all northerners. And um, so we have a bunch of family up there. And uh, my grandfather lives on um, Fox Island, and his front yard is literally Puget Sound. It is crystal clear water, and right in the, uh, in, in the bay of his front yard, he has a sailboat. And then if you look out in the distance a little bit, not only do you have beach, amazing water, then you can see Mount Rainier. And it is absolutely stunning. You have like the best of both worlds all in one view. 
And um, maybe once every four or five years or so, uh, my family and I will take a trip up there. And so we were up there a few years ago, and one of the traditions when we go up there is to make this fire on the beach, and we'll just, we'll sit out there for hours. We'll drink coffee, we'll talk, we'll do all these things. And there was something that I noticed a few years ago, is that my grandfather has kind of, even though he lives in this very beautiful environment, he's kind of lost the wonder of it. And it's not purposefully, it's just something that he's woken up to every single morning and he gets familiar with it. He gets familiar with it. So he, every morning he walks down his steps and he sees the same scenery and it's just something that he gets used to. Oh yeah, there's the mountain. Oh yeah, there's the, there's the bay. There's the beach. It's just something that becomes very familiar to him. Now every time I go there and I sit on the beach and we light a bonfire and we can see all these things, I'm just struck with awe and wonder because it's not something that I see every single day. And it's very intriguing and you begin to see it and it kind of opens up your eyes to just God's beautiful creation and a lot of these things. Now, I think this is what happens to us in Christmas a lot of times. Christmas comes every single year. We hear the story of a God who was sent down to earth to rescue sinners, to take away the sin of the world, and he was born in a manger, and the wise men go, and the shepherds, and all this kind of stuff, and they got Christmas pageants, and Christmas plays, and all these things going on, and we become so familiar with it that we lose the awe and wonder of the story that is actually going on. So in, in, in essence, ultimately what ends up happening is we all a lot become like my grandfather. We live in the most beautiful place in the world or we have the most beautiful truth offered and the only time that we really take a moment to savor it and to be struck by it is by Christmas, if we're lucky. But a lot of the times it becomes so familiar that we kind of step back and, all right, another child's play, another Christmas tree, another stringing up of the lights. And if we're not careful, we don't really know what's going on. And so what I want to get across this morning, and this is kind of the main thought. We're going to throw it on the screen. It says this. Deep joy and wonder are intimately connected. Okay? If you want to experience the joy that Jesus genuinely offers, then you cannot become familiar with Jesus. Because apathy ultimately breeds just kind of this familiarity that ultimately breeds this laziness and you sit back and you just kind of coast. And the most boring relationship with Jesus is when you just kind of sit back and you kind of coast and you just kind of ride and there's no joy, there's no fun, there's no excitement, there's none of that going on. You know, I think all of us are kind of, we get familiar with just simple things. Like, I honestly, I lose wonder and awe that, do you ever think about this? That you're, at your will, you can move your fingers. Like, that your brain sends activities and all these things down to your fingers to be able to move your fingers. My wife and I went on a date last night, and we were talking about, man, we often lose the awe and wonder that God's just given us a beautiful family, and as far as we know, every child is healthy. Like, we lose sight of that. We lose sight of the fact that, hey, we're married. We've been married for eight years. We're madly in love with each other. And if we're not careful, we become familiar with each other, and we forget why we really got married in the first place. And we just kind of do this life thing. We just kind of do this marriage thing, and it just becomes kind of becomes mundane. I go off to work. She takes care of kids, and then we come home, and we sleep in the same bed, and we do it all over again. You see where I'm going here? A lot of times if we're not careful, we can just get dropped into life and we just live it. And and we're not um, 
thinking deeply. We're not thinking internally. We're not thinking like, man, I actually, God has graciously given me this life and I'm healthy. I'm able to do things. And so what I want to talk about this morning is that can we rediscover this awe and wonder that really is the Christmas story? Does it have to be just another story? Does it have to be just another baby in a manger? So my prayer for you this morning is simply this, that we could dive into the scriptures this morning and that maybe for the first time in a long time, you would see the Christmas story a bit different this morning. So before I read any of this, can we just pray? Father, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray that this morning, um, that it would not be my words that are spoken, and I pray that you would just be with us, God, that you would give me wisdom to be able to share with your people this morning. God, I pray that you would pierce our hearts like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Psalm 65, 8 says this, the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Listen to this, where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. So let's start with the Christmas story, okay? If you have a Bible, you can turn uh, with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And it says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. (laughs) This is a big deal. Okay, an angel, you are just tending sheep, and then all of a sudden, bam, angel appears to you, and then the glory of the Lord shines around you. There's two things that are going on in my mind at this time, like aliens are real, (laughs) or oh my God, what did I just drink? What's going on, okay? The glory of the Lord shone around them, and then watch the next line, and they were filled with fear. They were filled with fear, and the angel said to them, I love this, fear not. I know I'm a glowing beam of light. Don't freak out, guys. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Then watch this in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So let's recap this a little bit, okay? So they are just tending their sheep. Like just doing the thing that they do every single day. This would be like if you were a mom and you stay home with kids. You were just like taking care of your kids. You were washing dishes and then all of a sudden, bam, angel is at your sink. (laughs) Oh my God, what is going on? They are just taking care of sheep and out of nowhere, an angel appears. Did did you ever think, think about it this way? Why in the world... Would an angel that has this good news appear to just average mundane shepherds? Why? Why doesn't he appear to like a king? Why doesn't he appear to like a priest or a governor or or something, a president? He appears to shepherds. First of all, I think there's um, something to be learned in that, that, that ultimately that you can still find joy in the everyday, mundane, routine thing of your life if you're actually looking for it. So this is key. They were filled with wonder, but watch this, it did not just come by hearing good news. 
It did not just come by hearing good news. All of a sudden, they're, they're struck by awe. They're struck by wonder that this angel is now standing before him. The glory of the Lord is surrounding them, and he's telling them this good news. And then let's read the rest. Luke 2, 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, now watch this, not just one, now all of a sudden a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what did we just see? That's not there, but that's what I would have said. The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So, what's going on? The shepherds are filled with awe, they're filled with wonder, and then what happens? They're not just content hearing the good news. They say, hey, let's go see this for ourselves. I don't want to just hear about this. I want to go see what he is talking about. Now remember this phrase when they say, let us go see this thing that has happened. See, it was not enough for them to just be in awe by the angel. It was not just enough for them to be struck by wonder and hear this good news. They were so struck by what was going on that they had to go and see for themselves. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time in your average, mundane, routine life that you were so struck by the awe and wonder of God that you had to say, let me go test this out for myself. Let me go test this out for myself. Because this is where, if we're not careful, this is where Christianity can get dangerous. Is you just coast and you just sit back, and you just hear the good news, you come to church, maybe you listen to a podcast, maybe you read your Bible, and you hear the good news. And maybe at some times you're heightened with this sense of emotions, and you're struck by awe and wonder, but is there a follow-up? Do you do something about it? Do you go and see? Do you taste and see that the Lord is good for yourself? Let's continue reading. In Luke uh, 2, and we're in verse 16 now. And they went with haste. I love this wording. Haste, meaning they went quickly. They're like, oh, like did this just happen? Yes, it did. Not, not only let's go, let's, like, let's pack up right now. Throw your stuff in the suitcase, and let's get out of here. They went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told. So the shepherds hear the good news. They quickly pack their bags. They set their GPS coordinate to go see Mary and Joseph. And when they arrive, everything that the angel had said is now right before their eyes. It's now right before their eyes. Can you imagine the joy? Now, now, 
The reason I say that joy and awe are intimately connected is because in the very beginning, when the angel appears to the shepherd, what happens? They're struck with fear at first. Then if you read a few verses down, now it's all in wonder, this anticipation of what's really going on, and we want to see this for themselves. So now they step outside of their comfort zones. They go off, and they go see it for themselves. And then what happens? They get joy because now they see Jesus. They see Jesus. And here's the reason that many of us do not have joy. Because we see things, we hear things, and maybe we're intrigued, but we never go. We see things, we hear things, we're struck with awe, we're struck with wonder, but it's not compelling enough for us to get out of our comfort zone and actually go do something. And the end result is we don't get the joy that Jesus actually promises us. Because if we're so struck by this awe and this wonder, then we're really going to go see. And when we go see, even though the trek may be hard, even though that path may be hard to actually get there, when you actually get there, it's everything that he said it would be. You get Jesus. You get Jesus. Ultimately, now they're face to face with the Savior of the world. The shepherds who are weary from travel are now in the presence of Jesus. So let me connect the dots for you now. So the shepherds are filled with wonder. It compels them into action. This leads to their joy, being with Jesus. So joy and wonder will always be intimately connected. And if we lose the significance of this story, our joy will soon follow. You cannot, listen, this is not just the Christmas story. This is the gospel. This is the gospel, okay? It's not just something that we celebrate once a year. It's not something that we just do in Christmas. This is what Jesus came to do. That he came born as a baby, like God put himself in the lowest form of human flesh, a baby, vulnerable, needing other people to care for him, came to save you and me. Now, I love this story, but for me personally, um, the passage that has always um, kind of struck this awe and wonder in me and has been just a great reminder of what the Christmas story is, is actually in a letter that Paul writes in Philippians, and it's uh, chapter 2. It says this, he says, Who, though he was in the form of God, so Jesus did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. This is huge, okay? But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So the God of the universe says, you know what, I will humble myself because those people down there don't know what they're doing and they need me. I will humble myself in the form of a baby and I'm going to come down And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ultimately this. You and I were created to live in the shadow of Jesus' awe. Not in the awe of ourselves. And too many of us get focused focused on awe of how good we are or how good we perform that we forget the Christmas story. We forget 
the gospel, that ultimately true joy is found in wrapping ourselves up in what Jesus has done and who he is and what he sent his son to do. We were meant to live with eyes gazing upward and then outward. And too many of us live with our eyes gazing outward. Then we try to go with God. Hey, God, I'm living this life. Will you bless what I'm doing? Rather than saying, okay, God, I want to give you all glory and all honor. And I want to keep that awe and wonder with you. And then I'll act. And then I'll be compelled to action. I believe this. Bad things begin to happen when we lose the sense of awe and wonder of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we have that spiritual, what we talked about last week, that spiritual amnesia. We forget that God has provided for us. We forget that God has taken care of us. Bad things happen when nothing impresses us anymore. When nothing impresses us anymore. And the truth is, sin robs that sense of wonder away from us if we're not careful. This is why fighting against sin is so important. So let me give you a little thing. Maybe we've all done this before. I know I've done it before. Um, the reason that Jesus sent his one and only son to die on a cross, to be born in a manger, to rise on the third day, the reason that he did all of that is because he saw sin as such a big deal. And what we do, what we like to do, at least I do sometimes, maybe you're like me in here, we kind of like to rate our sin. Well, it was a white lie. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, it was just this. It wasn't that bad. Or maybe we, we play the comparison game. So yeah, I've done some bad stuff, but my guy next door, <laughs> I don't feel so bad about myself anymore. You, you start rating yourself. You start comparing. And then ultimately, when we do this, we tell Jesus, hey, you know what? My sin is not a big deal. The reason you sent your son to be born as a baby, to die on a cross, I don't really take that as a big deal. It's not a big deal. And ultimately, what begins, what begins to happen, we begin to lose our sense of awe, we begin to lose our sense of wonder, and then our joy quickly follows this. Now think about it this way. If you're not finding your joy vertically, meaning you're not finding genuine joy in Christ, you are going to be compelled to find it in creation. No, let me, show of hands, how many of you want to live a miserable, boring, unhappy, joyless life? <laughs> Not a single hand in here. How many of you guys want to live a joyful, fulfilled, happy life? Okay? Now, here's the problem. All of us want that. And if we're not finding it in Jesus, then we're going to be forced to find it somewhere else. So if you're not finding genuine joy in Christ, you're going to find it in creation. So let me give you an instance, especially in this holiday season. Man, maybe you're unhappy. Maybe, maybe um, we talked about this in the first week of the series. Maybe life just didn't go how you planned for it to go this year. And so, you know, maybe you've tried the whole God thing. You've tried the Jesus thing. You've tried the prayer. It's just not working for you, or so you think. And so you know what we do? We, we go shopping. Man, I'm going to get a buzz going shopping, right? You, you put on a new shirt, you put on some new pants, you put on some new shoes, and you feel good about yourself for about a whole three days. <laughs> and you're like, I don't like this shirt anymore. Shows the love handles a little too much. It's a little too tight. <laughs> Somebody's really getting into it. Um, 
or, or maybe, maybe it's the opposite. Man, I'm not, I don't know why, I'm, just, I'm not content, I'm not happy. We need more friends. Let's go out with people, let's have a good time with more people. Let's go eat, let's go do this, and that food, man, it may taste good for that moment. And those friends, you might have a good time for that moment, and then you go home to your boring life in your house. You're like, this sucks. <laughs> Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, hey, you were absolutely convinced, you know what? If I just had a new car, then we would be good. If I could just make as much money as so-and-so. If I could just have that new house, then I'm telling you, God, my joy would be complete. It would be complete. Or, or let's get personal. Man, if I could just have that baby. If I could just have that relationship, if I could just be this way. You see, we start trying to find, we start trying to wrap our joy in things that can be taken away from us and dashed really fast. You want to know why some of us lose friends so often and why we can't keep long-term friends? It's because we're not finding our joy in God and so ultimately we try to find it in them and we put a weight on them they can never fulfill and we end up crushing them. And so they distance themselves from us because you're like, oh my God, I, I can't be the friend that they want me to be. You know what's even worse about that is we do that to our husband and we do that to our wife sometimes. You're not finding that fulfillment and you're not finding that joy in Christ, so you're looking to them to fulfill it for you. And so you put this burden on them that they could never fulfill for you in the first place because they weren't designed to take away your sin. Jesus is the only one that can do that. You have to find your joy Christ and Jesus. And here's the sad part. If we don't find it in Christ, sadly, all of God is quickly replaced by all of you. By all of you. How good you are, how good that week went, how good your job is, how good your skills are, whatever it may be. You know, I've been to a lot of cool places in the world. Um, a few years ago, I was in Wyoming, and I'm standing in this valley, and I have the Teton Mountains literally surrounding me. And everything is so much bigger than I am. Like, so much bigger than I am. There's rivers, there's valleys, there's mountains. And I remember one morning just waking up, coming outside, seeing all this, and I'm in the middle of this valley, all these mountains around me, and there was not a thought in my mind that said, Zach, you are awesome. <laughs> just don't do it. Nobody arrives at the Grand Canyon and looks at it and like, yep, pretty awesome. You show up at places like that and go, wow, I'm pretty small. I'm pretty small. You show up and what do you do? You, the, the, the only word sometimes you can say is just, wow. God, this is incredible. This is incredible. You know, um, if you've ever researched it, maybe you haven't, maybe you have. It's impossible to look at the facts of the stars and not consider how much Jesus actually loves us. Let me give you a few facts. There's one star named Deneb. It's so bright, listen to this, you can see it from 20 quadrillion miles away. I don't know how far that is, but it sounds really far. 
20 quadrillion miles away. You can see it from Earth. There's a star named Pistol. It shines 10 billion times brighter than the sun. Than the sun. I mean, you in those days when you're driving and the sun's right blinding you, imagine one 10, time, 10 billion times brighter than that. There's approximately 400 billion stars in just the Milky Way galaxy alone. Not the universe, just one galaxy. We live in the Milky Way galaxy. 400 billion, and that's approximately, we don't know the exact number. There's only one response when you see those things. Awe, wonder. My boys, they're going through it in school right now. They're studying all the space stuff, and Eli, our oldest, he's like super into all of it. It's pretty scary, like some of the stuff that he knows. He knows more than me about a lot of the planets and all that kind of stuff. He's like, he asked me the other day, he's like, Dad, how many planets are there? I'm like, ask your mother, I don't know. <laughs> like, nine, I think. But when you study all this stuff, when, when you look at all of it, it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And this is what I want to get at this morning. If God's creation alone can bring us to the point of so much awe and wonder, what must his presence be like? And, and here's the crazy thing. To be stricken by that awe and wonder of Jesus, you don't need to look at the stars. You just need to spend time with him. Don't need to get caught up in just like, don't allow the Christmas story to become this mundane thing to you. Don't become so familiar with it that you lose the awe of it. Psalms 34, 8 says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and then blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Like, just taste. Some of you are in here this morning And maybe you came because you're like, okay, I want to know what this whole joy thing is about. How do I get it? I need some. Taste and see. Do exactly what the shepherds did. Live out your life. Create moments in it where you can be stricken by God. Have that awe. Have that wonder. Then go and see. And then what you get on the other side is Jesus. It's everything that you thought it was. Everything. Now, let's clear a few things up real quick. What joy is and what it isn't. Joy is a discipline. (laughs) Let's get that straight real quick. Joy is a discipline. It's an intentional savoring of something of high value, meaning Jesus. Joy is not contingent on our circumstances. Okay? Joy is not contingent on how other people view us or how other people look at us. Joy is not contingent on how well our hearts can muster up a smile in that moment when the last thing that we want to do is smile. Listen, I'm just being honest here. I know some people subscribe to this kind of whole theology. I think it's a bunch of, I'll leave it at that. I hate the whole fake it till you make it thing. I, I absolutely hate it because I think it's so contrary to the gospel. Because, listen, in the darkest moments of your life, there can still be joy. And joy doesn't always mean that you're walking around with a smile. So meaning this, like my dad can go through cancer, the darkest time of his life, where we've got a brother, my brother, who's literally 
off in the streets, don't even know where he is, doing drugs, waking up in hotels, waking up in ditches. You imagine a mom dealing with those things. Are you going to be smiling in these moments? Are you faking it till you make it? No. Well, that's reality. That's real life. But you know what? You can anchor yourself to the fact that, man, God still loves me, and I'm still struck by that awe and wonder of who he is, and I'm going to anchor my peace and my hope in who Jesus is rather than my circumstances. It doesn't mean that I have to be smiling all the time. It just knows. It just means that you know the source of joy, and there's only one source of joy, and his name is Jesus. That's it. Jesus. Joy is not found in circumstances. It's not found in how well life is going. It's found in a person. It's found in a person who is Jesus. And the reason I say that joy is a discipline is this. We intentionally must look on God and savor him. And we intently look on what he has done, treasuring our salvation. You know what? I'm struck with awe and wonder Many, almost every single day, every time that I fall short and I sin, I'm struck with awe and wonder. Coming to the realization that, like, God, me? Really? Really? Are you sure you want me to pastor this church? I'm sure there's a bunch of other better people out there than me. Are you sure? I'm struck with awe and wonder at the fact that not just looking at the stars and all the beautiful things in creation, but that God took a filthy, rotten sinner like me and decided to save me. And I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Other than to say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm here. So when our circumstances are grim, we discipline ourselves to remember who God is and what he's done for us. See, when our hearts, our actions condemn us, we discipline ourselves to remember that God saved us. He's freed us from condemnation. He's freed us from guilt. He's freed us from shame. He's washed us clean with forgiveness. So my prayer for us in this Christmas season is that we would have this deep sense of awe and wonder of this Christmas story. So let's bring it to a close with this. When Jesus sent his one and only son to lay in a manger, he had every single one of you in this room in mind. When I send this baby, that means that I'm going to give every single human being on the planet an opportunity to savor me, to know me, and to find joy and contentment and peace and hope in me. And the reason that some of us do not feel that this morning is because we are not intently savoring who Jesus is. Our joy is defined by our circumstance. Our joy is defined by our relationships. Our joy is defined by our bank account. Our joy is defined by how well our business is going, whatever it may be. Ultimately, joy is found in Jesus. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Get to know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. And I'll say this, you, you can't do it by yourself. All throughout the Bible, there is this reoccurring theme. I don't know if you notice it. It's subtle in the Christmas story. God didn't appear to one person. 
believe he didn't appear to a king or a priest or whatever because maybe they're by themselves. And God appeared to shepherds, a group of people. Because here's why. He knew probably if he sent an angel to one person, they would have been skeptical. Like, uh, was I dreaming? Was I drunk? What was going on? What did I just see? Yeah, I'm not going. Not going. What do you do? He, he shows up to a few, maybe three, four, five. And so maybe when one person is going, ah, I don't know about this whole thing. What did we just see? Another person says, hey, let's, let's, let's go for it. Let's do it. I've used this example for years now. One of my lifelong dreams is to go skydiving. And um, I'm absolutely convinced that I'm not going to do it by myself. I'm just not going to do it. I love adrenaline. I love those things. One, it's not fun to do it by yourself. You get down on the ground and be like, did you see? No, there was nobody with me. Nobody saw that. You want somebody to high five with? Like, man, dude, that was awesome. We almost died and we lived. That was incredible. And then I'm also pretty sure I'll be the guy on the plane that's like, I swear. Boom. (laughs) Kick somebody out of there. Unfortunately, that's like the Christian life. Some of you, the reason that you don't have joy is because you have nobody to celebrate with. And you have nobody to kick your tail when you need it. Somebody said, get, dude, get out of the plane. Just get, get out of the, go do something. Get out of the comfort of just your life, of who you are. Go experience the fullness that Jesus really offers. And then you encounter real, genuine joy. If you do it right, if you live the Christian life how we should be, it's the greatest ride in the world. It's the greatest joy you'll ever experience. Ever. Ever. I'll close with this. I remember a few years back I heard uh, a few testimonies from some guys and get up on a stage and uh, it was, they were sharing their story about how Jesus had saved them. And one guy's up there, and he's saying, you know, man, I used to live this partying lifestyle, and I was miserable, and I would do it. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, you were, if you were partying, having fun with a bunch of people, and you were miserable, like, you were doing it wrong. <laughs> like, I can show you a few things if you want me to. Like, if you weren't having fun, like, you weren't doing it right. And it's the same way in your Christian walk with Jesus. If you're not full of joy and you're not having fun and you're not enjoying the ride, you're just not doing it right. But the difference between living a lifestyle for yourself and living a lifestyle for Jesus is one is temporal. One will give you that temporary joy and peace so you can party, you can do all those things. It'll give it to you for a while. But then there's another one that will sustain you for the rest of your life until you die. And that's a full, joyful life with Jesus. This is the kind of joy that I'm talking about. This is the kind of awe and wonder that we should be stricken by. This is the Jesus who came to love us, to save us, to pull us in. That he promises to be with us until the very end. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you offer a joy that God only you can give.